Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Hi, welcome to Grape Top Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and today we are continuing and finishing our series, Looking for Jesus. And this has been a really fun series in which we've been talking about all the moments that people in Scripture, uh, specifically around when Jesus was crucified at the t- uh, uh, and was buried in the tomb and resurrected. And, and today, we are going to be looking at after he rose from the dead. We have moved on from the tomb. Everyone has seen Jesus resurrected. And we're going to pick up in today. And the title is, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. In Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard, you heard of, from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, it is not for you to know periods of time or appointed times which the Father was set, the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when, it, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and as far as the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were watching, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So this is a, I know this is a longer, long scripture, but what we're looking at is the moment that Jesus ascended into heaven. And we're going to pick up with the first point about the moment you knew, the moment you knew. And in the scene, it's, we see a lot of, a lot of things going on. One, we see that Jesus resurrected, presents himself alive to his disciples and shows many convincing proofs when he's appeared to them. He's with them for 40 days, and so it's confirming that this isn't just a, an apparition or a spiritual experience, that, that this is a real resurrected body of Jesus meeting with these people. That's why when he first resurrected from the dead, he ate in front of his disciples. He ate fish and bread, and he showed them his scars and the wounds in his body from uh, being crucified. And so we also see in this moment that he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit there. And in this moment that he was taken up to the clouds, they were staring and uh, stared into the clouds for quite a while. 
And so the angel said, go on now, <laughs> get a move on. And, and I want to start off by talking about the moment that you knew. Because the most inspiring moments in life are when things you believed in your heart are proved to be true. The most inspiring moments in your life are the times where you believe something deep within your heart and they're proved to be true. There are certain things that we believe in our hearts so certainly even without any proof. It could be those simple moments, right, when you know that you left your phone somewhere, you know that you left your keys somewhere, and you go around asking everybody in the house, what did you do with my keys? What did you do with my phone? Because you know for certain is right where you left it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but, or maybe uh, there's, there's certain things that we believe in so certainly. Sometimes we believe silly things like where you place something or some silly things like Santa Claus or that we were going to be with our first girlfriend or boyfriend forever. Those are those silly things that we believe deep in our heart, that we didn't have any proof, but we believed it 100%. You knew. Y'all dig what I'm saying? There's other times that we have believed deep and meaningful things that would leave us shattered if we were to find them not to be true. Things like our faith. Things like a, a family's security. Things like the purity within a marriage. What is so meaningful about our faith is that there are many proofs to our faith. I think that a silly, a silly concept within the Christian faith is the term blind faith. Blind faith. It, I think that there, there is a, a, a beauty to having those blind faith moments where you just choose to believe something spiritual you choose to believe something of god simply because you just have faith but when it comes to the the deep and foundational things within our faith like the resurrection of christ that is the foundation of christianity if jesus did not raise from the dead then all of our faith is meaningless it, it would mean that jesus was a liar or a lunatic if jesus did not raise from the dead that's a foundational piece of our faith that there's, there's so many convincing proofs. Just like in the scripture in Acts. Think about the way the disciples felt. About the moment, how, how all of them had in their heart for the, the three years that they were walking with Jesus. They were convinced. They knew. There was a moment that they knew that they had found the Messiah. And think about how their universe felt shattered when he was simply crucified. And those three days of questions and doubts and fears of not knowing what had happened. The, the doubts and questions of everything they believed in, everything that they knew so certain in their heart could have been just a lie. They really could have just been following a lunatic. And so this moment that Jesus rose from the dead and it says, it's almost like this little side note, and he showed them many convincing proofs. What, he was, what that shows is that they were, they were being truly inspired because everything that they felt was being proved true. Supernatural feelings, these, this supernatural hope being proved true and right. There's so many convincing proofs within our faith. I encourage everyone here to, to even look at the idea of apologetics. Apologetics is a common terminology for the defense of our faith. And one apologetic that I like, uh, a teacher that I like, his name is Frank Turek. He wrote a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. 
And he, he talks about the convincing proofs of our faith in Christianity and how it is, it is so real. There's so much real evidence to our faith, so much logical explanation to what we believe in. And to, to the point where he says it takes more faith to be an atheist to, than to be a creationist. Even if you were to say, well, I believe in a creator, uh, but, but, not, but not the one of the Bible. He has so much, he brings so much evidence, so much logic, so much philosophy to this concept. But there's also so much archaeological evidence that even, even uh, in recent years, you, uh, you know, like the, some big, uh, big questionable miracles, like the parting of the Red Sea. Did you know that there's a part of the Red Sea to where it's, that there's a landway that is higher than the rest on the left and right? Almost like this, this underwater bridge. And it, it, goes, uh, it goes straight across the Red Sea. And they've, there's been times where deep divers have gone to look in this, this bridge area. And they found artifacts of Egyptian, uh, Egyptian materials. Like what looks to be uh, uh, wheels of chariots. Horse bones. So at the scene of the Red Sea parting and coming back over all of the Egyptian soldiers that were pursuing the Israelites evidence of it being true this this crazy miraculous miracle that sounds like oh well it was it, it was probably something else but that's just how it was described no th this looks like a, a bona fide miracle and there's so many other uh, so much more evidence and proofs like that that we have that there's so much uh, it's it's something that should encourage our faith to know that that the bible and its stories prove to be true these moments that, that we are genuinely inspired set us on courses in life that are life-changing. It's like the moment that you first believed in God. For me, it felt like a reset moment. I, it was a life-changing event that I was truly inspired when, when I believed something so deep within my heart and I found it to be true. It was a life-changing event. And that's what it's like to be inspired. And when you are truly inspired... The moments that you face, you're faced with crossroads where you have to make these difficult decisions, you're able to make them full of faith, full of hope, and full of expectation when you've been truly inspired. Now, I want us to understand in, the mom, in these times where we have these, these moments of life inspiration, the enemy tries to use the same tactics to decimate this kind of inspiration in the same ways that he, used, that he used all the way back to the garden. He tries to make you doubt the crucial beginning moment. This moment that I'm talking about, this moment where you knew, the enemy will always try to make you doubt that moment. He tries to make this life-changing moment insecure. And he tries to make you doubt this crucial beginning. He tries to make insecure what was what built what everything else was built on in your life i'll give a couple of examples for marriages he tries to make you doubt the the moments the beginning moments of how you met he tries to make you doubt if you were actually in love he tries to make you doubt the reason why you got married in the first place whenever we do marriage counseling it's always circulated around why we got married in the first place it's circulated around the beginning moments for career paths or your future goals or aspirations. He tries to make you doubt your passion or your ability to succeed. And he tries to convince you that life isn't that special and that you need to just settle. 
That moment that you were inspired, that was just you being young. That was just your youthfulness. It's not real. Life is not that special. Come back to reality and get a normal job. See, that, that is the enemy trying to attack your, your future. For our faith, he tries to make you doubt the experience you had with God. That experience that you had with God, that meant everything to you. Over, maybe not over months, but over years, you start to look back and doubt that beginning moment that you had with God. He tries to convince you that you were just emotional. You were just going through a hard time and you were willing to cling to anything during that hard time. He tries to convince you that it was just the way the church service atmosphere was. It wasn't really what you were feeling. It was just in the moment. Or he'll try to make you doubt the entire existence of God. Or better yet, he'll try to convince you of rather than believing the God of the Bible, he'll try to convince you of this vague idea of a supernatural being that isn't articulate enough for you to need to be reverent in the way you live. Just this idea of a creator, of this being, the universe. That's what he would rather you follow and believe than the, the, the true, unique, detailed nature that God has given us. Whatever it is, I urge you to remember in the moments that you knew. Remember the moment that you knew. Don't let the enemy trick you into doubting this very meaningful and special moment that you knew deep inside your heart of something special and incredibly meaningful. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Now let's go on to the next point. Why are you really waiting? Why are you really waiting? People put off special and meaningful callings for dry and ordinary reasons. People put off special and meaningful callings in their life for dry and ordinary reasons. I want us to think about this moment that the disciples were waiting, looking into the sky. And I want us to understand that it doesn't give a time frame of how long they were waiting, but it was long enough for two angels to be sent to them and say, go on now, <laughs> get, get. They were waiting so long and I want us to, to really think about this moment when they're watching Jesus ascend. He's in, taken up by the clouds and these angels had to come and tell him that he's not going to be coming back for a long time. I think that part of their waiting was actually out of an inward hesitation. They had an inward hesitation because they were just given this big assignment by Jesus. And... They were also told that Jesus isn't going to come back for a long time. Think about all of their experience. They have three years of experience with Jesus. Before that, they lived ordinary lives. So just with three years, I mean, for me, we started the church in 2017. It took more than three years just for me to be comfortable in my own skin, at my own church. Okay, three years. And they always at least had Jesus to walk with them or to go back to. It's like their, their safety net of knowing that Jesus was always there. And now is the first time that Jesus was not going to be with them. That, that Jesus literally says, you're going to be on your own now. And this shift of independence came with a greater weight of responsibility, which made them feel somewhat reluctant to pick up and get started. 
Think of the moments in your life when you first walk into independence. Was there not some t- a little bit of hesitation within you first? Maybe some more than others. For me, I was, I was pretty ready. But <laughs> when you think about the moments when you first start taking your own bills, paying for your own food, when, the first time you moved out of your house, I mean, think about the first time you got into a car wreck on your own. You know, like, you, you don't even know what to do. Do I call the police? <laughs> you, there's there's a, a completely different level of independence uh, it, when a feeling of responsibility when you're independent compared to when you're codependent or dependent on somebody else. And it makes you reluctant to get started. In the same way, God has given you a calling. God has given you a mission. God has given you a responsibility just like he has with everybody else. We all have this. But we hesitate to really walk into the identity of our journey because of the inward battles and hesitations that we face. And I want to I really be clear in this, in the best, most articulate way I can say, the identity of our journey, the identity of your journey. Your walk in life looks different than anybody else's, right? Your walk with God looks different than anybody else's. Your calling is going to look different than anybody else's. And finding that identity and finding that walk, it, it takes a level of independence and ownership. And when we, when we really take that up, there's all these battles and hesitations. We face insecurities, fears of failure, feelings of inadequacy, and they leave us in a stance of, I'm just waiting to see. What I've found is that some of the most super spiritual sayings come from trying to not do something spiritual. <laughs> yes, it's meaningful to get confirmations. It's meaningful to prepare and make sure. But how many more confirmations do you need before you answer your call? What else do you really need to prepare to feel ready enough? Y'all dig what I'm saying? What else do you need to make sure of? What I'm trying to get at is that perhaps just maybe you're using these catchy Christian sayings in order to postpone what you already know needs to happen. We have these things that we know in our heart that we, need, that, that we feel like we need to do, that we need to, to, to follow, whatever, and we hesitate and we use these spiritual sounding labels as a reason of why we're not doing something actually spiritual. I think uh, to, to tone it back a little bit, I don't know how many times I've heard someone tell me of why they're not going to church yet is because they're trying to find God on their own. It, it sounds right, but it's not. It, y'all get what I'm saying? We, we, we need each other as a body of Christ. Being in community is part of the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And we, we make up spiritual sounding reasons to not do spiritual things. Yes, everyone has their own personal walk with God. I, some of the best experiences I have with God is not at church. I, for me, I don't even know the last time I've listened to a church message that I felt truly edified from. I have to find it on my own personal time. And so I'm not saying that church is the source of your spiritual walk, but it's a spiritual thing to do. And we, I, this is just a small example 
But we have much bigger callings, much bigger, bigger things that God calls us to. And we talk ourselves out of it with these spiritual sayings. When truly meaningful callings require meaningful steps of faith. Unpack what a step of faith is. It's walking forward really on a prayer. It's walking forward with just this belief, even though you don't know 100% how it's going to work out. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And it's okay to be nervous. Just don't let that stop you anymore. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be uh, uh, afraid out of your mind. It's okay to even have an anxiety attack every now and then. But don't let it stop you from walking forward into what you know deep in your heart that God has called you to. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Now, let's go into our last point, which is walk of faith. Walk of faith. Walking in faith often leads you to walk into opportunities. Let me share this, uh, what happens uh, when they finally end up going to Jerusalem. It says on the day, in Acts chapter 2, they show up in, at, uh, in this upper room to pray. There's about 120 of Jesus' followers there. They're hiding in this upper room as they're praying, waiting, just like Jesus told them. They said, he said, go into Jerusalem and wait for me to send the Holy Spirit. So as they're there praying, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves and a tongue rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the holy spirit was giving them the ability to speak out so there's an incredible thing that happened and it shows that walking in faith often leads you to walk into opportunities i want us to understand that when the disciples were were told to go to the jerusalem that they were making a huge step of faith we, we get fixated on words like wait in Scripture. And we think that that's what God is really telling us to do. Wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. And what I've found, and this is biased for me to say, but this is just from my own perspective. You could take it or leave it. When it comes to even church leadership, the notion is often you need to just wait, wait on God whenever leadership isn't ready to, to really put you in a spot. So many young Christian leaders are told to wait and that God is calling them to wait because the church is at capacity and can't put them in any type of leadership position. And so it's told in a spiritual way, you just need to wait on the Lord. Just wait on God. And this idea is perpetuated in all of our churches and all of our, our church faith to believe that we are just called to simply wait. Going to Jerusalem was an action step of faith. It, they were, all of the Pharisees, all of the religious leaders had just crucified Jesus a, a little more than a month before this. And they were, all of the disciples were so terrified that they left Jesus in the whole act of crucifixion because they, they did not want to die or be in prison too. Because the Pharisees and the religious leaders were ready to kill on sight. They were ready to drag anybody just like they, they made Jesus an, an example and they were willing to drag anybody else through the whole crucifixion process if they were 
if they would label themselves as followers of Jesus too. And so to, to just simply go back to Jerusalem in a place where they were openly looking for Jesus' followers so that they could punish and imprison them, this was an, an act of faith. It wasn't waiting on the Lord. It was an action step of faith to go in an uncomfortable place because they felt like God, because God clearly told them to go. And while they were there, the act of waiting, every day that they waited, they were risking being found out. It wasn't just this polite waiting. They were in the enemy territory, risking their necks every moment that they waited there. They were in the upper room praying in secret. This isn't just a, a pleasant waiting period where we go on with our lives like normal and wait for God to give us a billboard sign uh, moment to where like, okay, now I know. This was all action steps that they're taking. And as they're there, it was only because the disciples chose to walk in this faith by going to Jerusalem that they were at the right place at the right time for when Pentecost happened. And the Holy Spirit came like tongues of fire and a rushing wind. They got to experience this beautiful, miraculous, powerful moment, something incredibly extraordinary, and were able to be a part of the first major conversion of Christianity. There was over 3,000 people that were saved in the scene. It's believed that there was even double that because it's, it's just saying 3,000 men. It's not even talking about the women and children that were there. So thousands of people say, I've never seen at once thousands of people saved, okay? I would imagine it to be a, an incredible experience. If you've ever been to a concert, it feels like an experience, right? Now imagine a supernatural concert where the Holy Spirit came like a, a, a rushing wind to where it was so loud everyone surrounded it. And thousands of people are feeling the Holy Spirit so powerful in their, in their life. They're hearing the preaching of Peter to where they, they literally have a life change and give their lives to Christ all in this moment. It's an incredible experience. And the disciples that were there, these 120, were only there because they chose to walk by faith instead of their fears. They chose to follow the, the, the leading of God rather than make the, the spiritual sounding excuses of why they should wait. In the same way, we will miss out on exceptionally meaningful moments in life we will miss out on exceptionally meaningful opportunities in life when we choose to sit on our hands. Think of how many Jesus' followers didn't show up to the upper room in Jerusalem. There's only 120 that showed up. Now think about how there, was, there would be thousands that Jesus fed. Remember the, all the, the different times where he fed with bread and fish? Thousands of people and only 120 showed up to Jerusalem. Think of, think of what these people that didn't show up were saying to themselves. Think of how many made spiritual sounding excuses to not be there. They missed out on a once in a lifetime event because they were still waiting for another sign. Sometimes you just need to get up and go with it. With that being said, I want us to, to bow our heads and close our eyes. I really believe deep within my heart 
that the kingdom of God is a free market. The, the Bible even says to not put so much honor on your leaders. To not, it says don't even call people your, your father for you only have one father. Don't call people your leader because you have one leader. It, it makes such a free market within our faith. And we get stuck in this tunnel vision of church. That this is the only way to funnel ministry. There's so much more to do outside of the four walls of church. There's so much more that God is calling each of us to do when it comes for the kingdom of God. And it's not limited to one person. It's not limited to me or any other pastor. We are all the body of Christ. We are all connected and we're all useful for God's kingdom. And I believe that God is calling many to walk in faith and to do what they know God is calling them to do inside their heart. And what I really believe is that the Holy Spirit is telling you today that it is true that the Holy Spirit is trying to confirm to you what's in your heart, that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you, that it's been trying to speak to you. And I believe that God is calling us to walk by faith. Now, if you're here with every head bowed and eye closed, and you feel like the biggest step of faith that you need to make today is trusting Jesus for the very first time. Maybe you've only known the ideas of believing in your heart. You've only known the ideas of blind faith. But today you realize that God has given many convincing proofs of Jesus' resurrection. And you've never made a, a, a simple decision to put your trust in Him as a Savior and you want to do that today, with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. So with every head still bowed and eye closed, if that is you, I want you to just talk to God on your own. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God that died on the cross and rose from the grave, that surely you shall be saved. And what it's saying is, if you have an authentic conversation with Jesus yourself, that that's all it takes to start your own journey with him, to start your own relationship with him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer, but you can talk to him yourself. Now, while they're doing that, if you're here and you feel like the Holy Spirit is confirming to you whatever unique calling it is in your heart, whatever unique thing the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and you feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you to get up and move, to do whatever it is he's calling you, and you feel like today was confirmation to that, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you make this moment unique for each individual and that you confirm it by your presence. That you cause each person to experience the solidifying presence of God, that you confirm in their hearts right now what it is that you're speaking to them and that you administer to their hearts. I pray that you would edify them and give them a boldness and courage to do what you've called them to do. Make them sensitive to your voice and your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this same kind of atmosphere, we're going to go into a time of worship. But before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part today. We love you. Have a good rest of your life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. 
And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.